The Maker's House Chapel International presents Destiny Word with Dr. Michael Bwede God has destined for each and every one of us to live a life of purpose, a life of abundance, and a life that pleases Him. Dr. Michael Bwede mandate is clear. He's equipped to raise destiny giants for our time, equipped with the wisdom and anointing for a time such as now. Please stay tuned in to Destiny Word. came with your Bible could you please lift it up and say this is my Bible it is the Word of God I'll become what he says I can become I'll go where it says I can go I will achieve what he says I can achieve slap your chest and say I am a believer you can do it again say I am a believer if the Bible is yours could you please turn to the second book of the Old Testament the book of Exodus. The book of Exits, the book of departure. The book of Exodus. Chapter number three, I'll read chapter number three, I'll read chapter number four, but I'm not going to read all the verses in the chapters. I'm going to jump um, from one verse to the other. Uh, chapter number three the verse number seven says and the lord said i have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in egypt and i've heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters for i know their sorrows and i am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good land and a large place to a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the canaanites and the hittites and the amorites and the Perizzites, and the Hevites, and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come to me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? And that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt. And he said, certainly I'll be with you. And this shall be a token to you that I've sent you. When you have brought them forth, brought forth the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God upon this same mountain. Moses said to God, behold, when I come to the children of Israel, and shall say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they shall say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shall you say to the children of Israel, I am have sent me to you. Chapter number four. 
chapter number four from the verse number eight and it shall come to pass if they will not believe you neither hack into the voice of the first sign that they will believe the voice of the latter sign and it shall come to pass if they will not believe also these two signs neither hack into your voice that you shall take off the water of the river and pour it upon the dry land and the water sh which you took out of the river shall become blood upon the dry land and moses said to the lord oh my lord i'm not eloquent neither heretofore nor since you have spoken to your servant but i am of slow speech and of a slow tongue the lord said to him who has made man's mouth or who makes the dumb or the deaf or the seeing or the blind have not i the lord now therefore go and i'll be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say let us pray heavenly father we know that the grass will wither the flower will fade but we believe that your word will abide forever we pray that in this short time you've given to us to fellowship and dine with you you'll give us a word that works oh god anoint these lips of clay make it an instrument of a blessing to somebody's life to the end we shall give you praise in jesus name amen i want you to look for somebody and tell the person pursue purpose look for three people tap them on the shoulder give them a high five if you can but tell them pursue purpose i believe that it will not be difficult for me to come to that conclusion that everybody is alive to fulfill a divine purpose over his or her life that without purpose life will be meaningless what fuels what energizes what drives the human being to live amidst persecutions tribulations trials problems is the sight of purpose the more you see what you were born for the more energized you become in pursuing what you can see and purpose is normally situated in the assignment that God will give a man and so once you discover your assignment you automatically and ultimately realizes your um, purpose in life and that becomes the path you take before I even continue let me ask this critical probably an ontological question that might help you even as we sojourn through the scripture today that if you are not alive anymore if you close your eyes and you don't wake up again if you sleep and tomorrow they call you the deceased how will people remember you will you be missed can you look at somebody and ask the person if you die now who will miss you no no, no. I, I just really want you to look at somebody right now and probably um with an attitude, look straight into their eyes with an attitude and ask the person, do you think you'll be missed from that company you work, from that field of endeavor, from the church? Who will miss you if you die? Ask that person. Um, I dare you to get an answer for me because I need that answer in order for me to help you this morning. 
if you are to die that political party you are you wear their badge will they miss you will the npp miss you if you die will they will the ndc miss you when you close your eyes and you don't wake up the next morning will the ds miss you <laughs> will the dc miss you if you close your eyes and you don't wake up will your family miss you you have no idea how many wives are praying that god take him home quickly <laughs> so will your wife miss you when you die Maybe your husband has prayed. I've told you before the prayer that a man of God was praying. He was praying. He said unto me, man of God, please help me. Stand with me in prayer. I need my wife to die quick. Because of course the man of God was seeing the wife not as a help meet for his assignment, but a terrorist to his mission. The thing is, if you are no more alive, who is going to miss you? If, nobody, if you can do an introspection and find out that you won't be missed that much, it's a clarion call to you that you should rediscover why you are here. Because until you realize why you are here, and you begin to pursue the reason why you are here, nobody will even miss you when you are no more here because you are doing nothing. And oftentimes when God calls you to a purpose, there are things that might stop you from fulfilling that particular purpose that God has set for you. And this morning, that's what I want to talk to you about, the assassins of purpose. I want to use as my theme, the assassins of purpose. Once you have even discovered, once you know, once you have been told, even if you did not get it through Rima, you did not get it on your own, you were told or you stumbled upon it, what will cause you to lose out on the provisions of purpose? God brought you here to fulfill a particular purpose. You are not here to just be a mere statistic. You are not here to add to the numbers. You did not join the church to be a mere statistic of the church so that when we are counting, we can say we have 10,000 people. Actually, it is better to have one lion in your house than a thousand pussycats. Because the pussycats, of course, they will help you drive away reptiles and rodents. But if a thief is to come and just the mere sight of a lion, they won't want to hang around you. So you are not to add to the statistic. You are here to fulfill a particular purpose. You are working in a bank. You are working in an insurance company. You are working in the hospital. You are working somewhere that your contribution is supposed to be very significant. And you keep asking. You have to ask yourself that question. If I am no more with this company, who is going to miss me? If you are not able to answer that question, it means that you have not really discovered why you are there. And most of us, that is the same thing. If you are to die right now, people can't remember you for anything. And we live for memories. I'll take you through scripture, then you will understand that every breath you take is as important. It's so important that you cannot take any of them for granted because you are supposed to make them count when you are no more there. You are supposed to make them count. People are supposed to, you get, you get to certain villages or certain towns or certain communities and you see a building and they write in loving memory of. How many of you have seen that before? In loving memory of Antisiata. 
But you, what would they remember you for? What would be your memorial? Somebody said that if they get to your tombstone, what will be written on the stones? Will it be something that you told them that, please, you know I'm a bad man, but even if I die, write these things. Or people out of genuineness can say that he was a good man, he fed the poor, he clothed the naked, he was a voice to the voiceless, he did many great things for his community. What will people remember you for? As I told you, the moment you discover that, you are on the path of destiny fulfillment. If you've not discovered your purpose yet, you are not alive. Your existence is hinged to your purpose. So a lot of people are living, but yet they are not alive. And there are two different things. Because you live for purpose. So if you've not discovered your purpose, you are still evolving, like Jinomehi, the name, the Greek name for a woman, Jinomehi, the one who is always evolving. That is why you can't understand the woman completely. The Greek word is Jinomehi, the one who is always becoming or evolving. So the woman is always becoming. So never get comfortable in your skin as a man that you know your wife. Because she is always becoming. So today you think that you've given her some things and she is happy. Tomorrow she will still become. And so a lot of us are still becoming. So we've not discovered our purpose. Such is the discipline and the discourse as written and found in the book of Exodus. A man um, that was born into a Levitical home. The father was a Levite, the mother was a Levite, and so technically he was not supposed to be a king, but a priest. But he found himself in line for kinship. Not a king in the community or the fellowship or the commonwealth of God's people, but a king for the Egyptians. Scripture says, if you have read your Bible well, when, when Joseph died, and because the king knew not Joseph. The Bible says they are set upon them taskmasters and people that were driving them crazy. And God heard the cry and the prayer of the, of the Israelites and God decided to send a man to rescue them. When he heard their prayer, heard their cry, he sent out a man by the name of Moses. Moses was born to a Levitical house. But as at that time, the Bible says, if you read, Scripture says that when the mother saw that he was a godly child, a good-looking child, he hid him for three months, and yet he decided to now take him out because God had instructed him. Now, when I read that test, the moral lesson of that test simply is that when God wants to preserve a life, he might use a route that is not too convenient. Scripture says that... Uh, God has said unto them that, okay, I want to preserve Moses because there is an assignment, there is a purpose for Moses to fulfill on earth. And God said unto them that you have to put the same boy, Moses, in a basket and put him on the Nile River. Now it's a crocodile-infested river. Not only that, that is also the same place that you find most of the Egyptians. Because it was a source of life to them. 
Not just a place of refreshment, but it was also a source of life to them. And God has said unto the mother that, uh, woman, you have to put this boy in a basket and put the boy on a river. Now, this doesn't make sense. And oftentimes, when God really wants to deploy you into destiny fulfillment, some of the things God will tell you to do will not make sense to you. Put him on a basket. Put him in a basket. Put him on the Nile River. If you want my boy to die, just tell me you can't keep him. Don't tell me to put him on a river. Why do you want me to push that boy and push him even closer to his adversaries? Because you see, sometimes when God wants to bring you a rescue plan, he pushes you closer to where they think they are in their comfort zone so that after it's all said and done, he can take and receive all the glory. God had pushed him on the now through a sister. They had taken him home fed him, clothed him, brought him up in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. New Testament theology says he was raised in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. He was so wise. He was, he was a strong man. He was healthy. He was strong. He had godly counsel. The spirit of God and wisdom was residing on the inside of this man. And the Bible says that he had gone out to kill somebody for the Hebrew people. The next day when he got out and he saw two Hebrew men fighting, he went to them and tried to separate them. He said, brother, stop that. He said, okay, what, what are you going to do? If we don't stop, are you going to kill us? Just as you killed the Egyptian. That is to tell you that in the ecosystem of God, nothing is hidden. Please understand this. You might do something that you think you got away with it. But when it comes to the things of God, when it comes to our living our existence there is nothing that can be hidden from the side of god whatever we do is plain is clear is obvious to everybody whatever you do now check out your scripture i will i will take you there check out your scripture the bible says that and immediately he said to himself that okay so what i did after all wasn't hidden so they are going to report they are going to tell on me and they are going to come for me they are going to persecute me and when i go for trial these are going to be my witnesses let me run away most of the time when we decide to do things even if god wanted him to deliver the people of egypt so the people of israel from egypt because he went on his own strength and his own, on his own merit he almost missed god's plan for his life most of the time we do things Based on our own understanding. Have you not read that trust in the Lord with all your heart? Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Anytime you rest or you rely on the arm of flesh, it will fail you. Most of us think that, okay, um, because we've been able to pile up degrees like a thermometer, we, have, we, we, we can do well. Because you have contacts and connections and you have people who will rally around and do things for you. That, that gives you that kind of false hope and, and comfort that everything is going to be alright. But things do not get alright simply because you have contact and access. It gets better if you discover why and the path God wants you to take. Scripture says that he had moved, he had run away from Egypt to a place for comfort. And when he went out, although he was trained as a king, he had to live as a shepherd. He had to reside in Midian. 
And Midian is a place where you can behold what you were born to become, but the afflictions and the burdens of your past keeps you glued to a person that is inconveniencing or uncomfortable. Median is a place of transition. Median is a place of discomfort where you can behold purpose and yet you can't touch it. And scripture says that one day he was going about his business. He was shepherding. He was going about his business. And I've come to a place where I have concluded in myself, in my spirit as well, that most of the time as we do the little things, the little mundane things that we don't even respect, that is when we catch the attention of God. Even the little, little things. Like cleaning the office. Like making sure things are done properly. The little, little things that we think are our normal, our routine endeavors. That is when normally we discover God. Actually, if you go in hunt for God, you don't find him. Because God cannot be discovered. He chooses to reveal himself to you. So whilst one day the Bible says that whilst he was on the, on the backside of the desert, one day when he was just moving, just on his normal business, the normal things that he was doing, the routine, the normal things that he was doing, the Bible says that his attention was drawn to a bush that was burning and yet not consumed. And the Bible says that when God saw that his attention was drawn, God decided to speak to him. Until you give God your attention, you don't qualify for the divine conversation. Listen to me, people of God. There are a lot of us who want God to engage us, but we have not given him our attention yet. God did not go out of his way to speak to the man called Moses. The Bible says that when his attention was drawn, then God spoke. What have you been concentrating on over the past couple of years? Where is your attention? Until your attention is hinged, is focused, is directed towards God, you don't get um, God responding or speaking to you again. Scripture says that, and when God caught him, God said unto him, that, okay, take off your shoes. Where you are is the holy ground. Uh, okay, God, I understand. All right. Um, okay, I, I get it. So my shoes are off. What is it? He said, okay, I have purpose for you. You were born for such a time as this. You had it in you subliminally, subconsciously. You knew that you were supposed to be a deliverer, but the route you were taking was not my route for you. Okay, God, what is it then? If I was born for purpose, what do I have to do? God said unto the man called Moses, Moses, I'm sending you to the people of Israel in the land of Egypt. Your words are simple. Deliverance. Go and deliver them. And I strongly believe that that is the same assignment God has placed on people who are politicians and business people, people who are leaders in families. God has placed that same purpose on your life that go to Ghana and be a deliverer to that nation. Go to the financial institution and be a beacon of hope to that institution. Be a light to your family. There are some of us that all that God brought us into this world for is that we will become the shining light and examples to our families. The Bible says, arise and shine for your light has come for the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. I strongly believe that what will make us relevant even in our pursuit is when we discover that we are not ordinary, that we are luminaries, we are light to our world. Check out your scripture. The Bible says that, and God said unto him, I'm sending you to the people, but when you go there, do not go and engage them in any lengthy conversation. When you get to them, tell them that I said it's time to move. 
You are going to be a deliverer. You are going to show them light in the midst of darkness. And I pray for everybody here that the same mandate rests on your life. That wherever you go, you'll be that light to your world, that light to your community. That you shine so bright that the world cannot contain you. The Bible says that in him is life. The life is the light of the world. The light shines in darkness and darkness comprehends it not. And so it means that at every point, there is always contention in the spirit realm to contain the light that God will place on a man. But as long as you stay resolute and stay I'm with God. There is no amount of darkness that can overshadow your light. I pray for everybody under the sound of my voice that whatever purpose God has placed on your life, may you begin not only to discover, but may you pursue it in the name of Jesus. The Bible says that God said unto him that I want to send you out, but you are going to be a deliverer. Now let me start by running you through um, the assassins of purpose. When God said unto the man, I want to make you a deliverer. The first response that the man called Moses gave to God is, who am I? The feeling of incompleteness, inadequacy. That, 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 that feeling that you get that although God wants me to be a president, I don't qualify. Who am I? What, what, what do I have? What is my composition? And there are some of you that God is saying to you that I want you to start something. Start a business and you look around you and you're asking yourself, what is my capital? Who am I? What do I even know about this business? But if it is God that is sending you to a place, God will be the one that will back you in that place. If, if it is God, look at somebody and say, if it is God that is sending you. I want to talk to you about destiny assassins, that purpose assassins, because you see, most of the time when God decides to send us out to fulfill purpose, the first thing we do is to check around us. In the same question, I believe that it wasn't just Moses that has ever asked that question before. That you'd see yourself destined for the top. God says that amongst all the fashion designers in Ghana and across Africa, I want to make you a global brand. Who am I? I want to make you the first entrepreneur from Ghana that is going to own a multinational that is going to cut across the entire continent of Africa and even to the world. And you're asking yourself, who am I? God says, I want to make you a bishop, an apostle, a prophet, a pastor, an evangelist, a teacher, that you teach my word. And the first thing you ask yourself, okay, when I look at me right now, who am I? When he asked, who am I? The next verse, God said unto him, that stop that. Why? Because it is not about you. My presence will go with you. When he asked about his identity, God promised him of his presence. Why? Because if you are going in the light of God, you are not going in your own identity or image. There is that shadow. There is that glory of God that envelops a man when the man decides to follow what God has destined him to become. Who am I? And God says, no, forget about The question that you should ask that's not who am I. You should ask, who is sending me? 
Because once you discover the force behind your existence and your pursuit, there is no demon in hell that can Once you realize and discover the reason why we fail oftentimes is because we don't know who is behind us. But the Bible says, greater is he who is in me than he that is in. I know this place is weak. Can I talk to somebody? It, it is not it is not about the journey. It is about who is backing you for the journey. It is not about the journey. It is about who is behind you in the journey. As long as I have God, the mighty, terrible warrior, there is no weapon formed or fashioned against me that shall prosper. It is always about the one behind. Can, can I preach to you now? The first assassin to purpose is that feel, that feeling and confession, sometimes verbally, sometimes subconsciously, sometimes you don't even verbalize it, you don't emote it, you don't say it, but inwardly you are asking yourself, this thing God is saying is too big, who am I? I want to make you a multi-billionaire, who am I? I want, to help. I want to use you to set up a school in Ghana that will train scientists and train researchers. And the first thing you ask yourself, who am I? But the thing is, was the vision man-made, man-driven, man-giving, or the vision was God-made, God-driven, God-giving? If it was god giving it will be god driven as long as it is god driven if the enemy comes up against you in the form of a flood the spirit of god shall lift up a standard against them the first thing was that he questioned his ability but when you are a man on purpose, it is not your ability. The Bible says he is able, not I am able. Because I don't know how tomorrow is going to pan out, as far as my life is concerned, I am better off entrusting my tomorrow in the hands of the one who knows tomorrow. Because as long as the one who holds tomorrow holds my life, then I can face tomorrow because he lives. Has anybody ever listened to that, the words of that song before? As long as the one who owns and knows tomorrow has my life in his hands, I can face anything. And the reason why I can face anything it's because before tomorrow begins, he ends it. Who am I? So although he was trained to lead, he was still not convinced in his own ability. God said unto him, shut up. Are you sending yourself? Oh, what do you mean, God? God said, let me give you a promise that will stand sure. What promise are you talking about, God? God said unto him, my presence will go with you. 
You see, one of the things is that a man on purpose that is divine walks and glides and lives under the presence of God. And because the presence of God happens to be the covering over your life, there is nowhere you go that doors will be closed for you. As long as you stay where God wants you to stay. Can I, can I pray for you before I even continue with my sermon? May the presence of God go with you in 2019. You might feel inadequate, but may the presence of God go with you. You might feel inadequate, but may the presence of God, you might feel that you, how do I meet my target? But may the presence of God go with you. You might feel, how do I establish this? May the presence of God how do I do this? He said, my presence will go with you. Alright God, if it is your presence alright, but when I meet them and they ask me, who sent you? Do I say, oh, oh God. Which God? We know the God of the Egyptians. We know the many gods of the Egyptians. We know the gods of the Philistines. Which God sent you? God said, uh, I am that I am. Now, that's the first part. Then, if you read the same test, even as the test moves, he said, Thus shalt thou say to the people of Israel that the I am has sent me. Now, when God was talking to himself, now you see that by the, um, um, the semicolon that is used there, which means that God said that and paused and decided to speak to a human being. He said, I am that I am. Oh, okay, sorry. I'm speaking to Moses. Okay, when you go there, tell them that I am has sent me. God, who knows you by that I am? He was saying to him that because I am sending you on a purpose, um, on a journey, um, you are a man of purpose. Wherever you get to, whatever you need, I will be that person for you. When you need a door to be made, I'll be a door opener. When you need way to be made, I'll be the way maker. Whatever you need, I am that I am but tell them that it's not just I am is waiting for them there I am is sending you so what God was saying to Moses is Moses not just my presence my presence goes with you but the covenant I'm having with you is that I'll be with you always so he's using the I am so at every time you are with the I am but watch the test even as it moves the Bible says that and God has said that to him he was feeling happy. He asked for a sign. God said, okay, put this, the rod down. It turned to a snake. One day I'll preach that. The errors of omission. Sometimes we fail to appreciate this. To everybody, it was a rod. But between Moses and God, he knew he was holding a snake. Everybody will see Moses holding a rod. But when Moses is alone, Moses knew that he had control over a snake. The same emblem that was given in the book of Genesis chapter number 2 and 3, Moses has now been given the assignment to hold the serpent. And when, wherever he goes, he carries the devil in his hand. You see, when God gives you ability, there is no satanic power that can stop you. I have got into a place where I'm no longer, I, I don't fear demonic powers and their modus operandi. No matter what they bring, you know that God has given you power. 
power over satanic entities. The Bible says that you shall walk upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing. Look at somebody and say, nothing shall by any means hurt you. He said unto God, God, you know, all right, I'll, I'll do it. He said, okay, put your hand there. The hand withered. The hand came back. And all that. God was giving him examples and signs to let him know that it's the Almighty sending him on an errand. He jumped to the chapter number four after Moses had run out of excuses. He said, okay, God, um, um, you said I should go to Pharaoh. Are you, are you really serious about this? He said, yeah, I want you to take over Ghana. I want you to conquer the world. I want you to start a business that will swallow every other business around you. God, no, you, you, you must be kidding. Uh, this work that you are assigning me to do. I, 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 I can't speak. I get to Pharaoh and Pharaoh is to ask me who, 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 what do I say to Pharaoh? God, look for another person who can do the work for you. And God said, he said, God, you know, I am a man of a slow speech. I am not eloquent enough. God was saying that I don't call the equipped. I equip the called. It is not about what you are able to do. I can empower you to do mighty works for me. God, but me... I, I cannot. God is saying that. It is not about your ability. It is about the one that is residing. From today I pray with you that you take territories and fulfill destiny. It is not about your ability anymore. It is not about what you cannot do. Oh, Moses. Moses was talking to God and the first thing Moses decided to throw at God was his weaknesses. God, you know I cannot. God, you know I am slow. God, you know I am not eloquent. God, you know I'm not tall enough. Who told you that it takes height to be a leader? <clears throat> oh, Jesus, help me. Um, help me. Deliver me from temptation. It, it, it is not about your height or your size. It is about the God who is residing on the inside. Uh, uh, you, I'm not slim enough. I'm too big for this. I've never seen a first lady apart from um, um, Nana Kunedu Achima Rollins that is slim. All first ladies I've seen for a very long time are people who are endowed. They are heavy everywhere. And you are thinking that I'm not slim enough to take over. Listen to me, people of God. When God really wants to do things with you, it is not about your weaknesses. Actually, God takes the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. He takes the weak things of the world to confound the things that are strong. So sometimes you can look at yourself and give yourself the same excuse. I am not strong enough. These are assassins of purpose. 
I don't qualify. God, you really, are you serious about this? You want me to be the one that, now, if next week when I'm continuing, I'll bring you some statistics that will help you. If you check, the commodity market of Ghana is controlled by Indians and Lebanese. The commodities. Now, even importation of frozen meat, chicken, all that, controlled by them. And God is telling you that I want to start that business with you and you are wondering, hey, this is a cartel. They can kill me. They can kill my business. They can, they can under invoice, they can do all that, but I'm a Christian. I, but how do I do these things? God is saying that in that weakness you discover, I'm going to show myself strong in that same weakness. Listen to me, people of God. I just came to pray with you this morning and to encourage somebody today. This is a month of purpose. All our branches all over the world are preaching on purpose. But I have noticed that what will undermine your purpose is when you start giving excuses. Why you can't do it. This thing is too big. God wants you to run the biggest pharmaceutical company in the world, in Ghana. And you are only thinking about um, the people, um, um, I can't pronounce their names. The, the pharmacists here can do that. The UK based, the Dutch based, all those guys. And you think they are too big. How do I even compete? The word did not come from you. It came from the one who is able. He is not looking at, he knew your weaknesses. So, so it was just like Moses was throwing something to God which was very flimsy. It was too weak an argument. You are talking to the, and read the answer of God. He said, I made the dumb and the one who speaks. I made the seeing eye and the hearing ear. What God was saying to him was that, I know you better than you know yourself. If God is giving you an assignment, he has checked all your qualities. He knows you can do it. Look at somebody and tell the person, God knows I can do it. Can you look for three people? Tell them you might not believe in my abilities, but God does. Yeah, I might not even believe in myself, but God does. I might be a stammerer, I might be somebody of slow speech, but God believes in me. And as long as he believes in me, there is nothing I cannot. Please be upstanding. Let us pray. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed with Destiny Word by Dr. Michael Boydi-Nyamiche. You are cordially invited to the Maker's House Chapel International, Kwabanya Off Point One. Join in on any of our services, Sunday Word, first service, 7 to 9 a.m., second service from 10 a.m. to 12 noon, teaching service on Wednesdays, 6.30 to 8 p.m., and our flagship program, The Morning Aura, on Saturdays from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. to engage in prayer and experience the supernatural. For more information about this ministry, call 0244-221-272 or 0262-731-570 or visit our website www.themakershousechapel.org. We believe in the word in totality and the light it brings our path to experience the grace to take territories and fulfill destiny. 
God richly bless you.